You are listening to Girl Speak, a podcast series all about art, history, and contemporary culture with a girl's eye view. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode 53 of Girl Speak, our news roundup for February 2016. I'm Tiffany Rhodes, program developer for Girl Museum. Thanks for tuning in, downloading, or streaming us today. Girl Speak is produced by Girl Museum, the first and only museum in the world dedicated to celebrating girlhood. Girl Museum explores the art, history, and culture of girls around the world in the past and present. All of our programs are volunteer-run and supported by listeners like you. Visit us on the web at www.girlmuseum.org. The major story this month has been about the Zika virus which has been spreading through many developing countries. Press coverage on this virus has been extensive because of the possible link between being infected with the virus and neurological disorders affecting newborns. Currently, the World Health Organization has declared an international public health emergency amid concerns regarding the virus. In early February, the United Nations released a statement detailing how protecting women and girls' rights is critical to addressing the Zika virus and its possible outcomes. The High Commissioner for Human Rights is calling for the repeal of laws and policies that restrict access to sexual and reproductive health services, such as contraception and abortions, so that women will have the support and services they need to determine whether and when they will become pregnant. As the High Commissioner for Human Rights stated, In situations where sexual violence is rampant, and sexual and reproductive health services are criminalized, or simply unavailable, Efforts to halt this crisis will not be enhanced by placing the focus on advising women and girls not to become pregnant. Many of the key issues revolve around men's failure to uphold the rights of women and girls, and a range of strong measures need to be taken to tackle these underlying problems. Also in early February, the United Nations Children's Emergency Fund, known as UNICEF, released a new report that shows more than 70 million girls have undergone female genital mutilation than previously thought. The new total is at least 200 million women and girls alive today who live in over 30 countries. That number is a sharp increase from 2014, when only 125 million were believed to have been affected. The increase is largely due to new data from Indonesia, where nearly half of all girls under the age of 14 have undergone female cutting. Upon release of the new report, and just prior to International Day of Zero Tolerance for FGM, United Nations Secretary General Ban Ki-moon stated, Never before has it been more urgent, or more possible, to end the practice of female genital mutilation, preventing immeasurable human suffering and boosting the power of women and girls to have a positive impact on our world. The United Nations predicts that by 2030, that's just 14 years from now, an additional 15 million girls between the ages of 15 and 19 will undergo this harmful practice. Often carried out with unsterile equipment and no pain medications, the painful procedure removes the clitoris and can cause infections, lifelong psychological and physical consequences, and even death. There are no benefits to the practice, but it continues due to long-held traditions. Another report recently released by Plan UK has revealed devastating statistics that one-fifth of young girls in the UK experience unwanted sexual contact in school. Such contact includes rape, sexual assault, unwanted touching and or groping, and flashing. Not surprisingly, more than 61% of respondents never reported incidents to a teacher or another person in authority. Tanya Barron, who works with Plan UK, 
told The Independent, Our findings show that schoolgirls have been suffering in silence for decades. Unwanted sexual contact can affect a young girl's self-esteem and educational achievements. This is a global problem. The study also interviewed boys and found that one in three men aged 18 to 24 reported experiencing unwanted sexual contact in or around school. Another harmful practice is happening to Yazidi girls who escaped the hands of Islamic State militants. These girls, who have already suffered immeasurably at the hands of ISIS, are now being subject to virginity tests to prove whether they were sexually abused while in captivity. A report by the Human Rights Watch details how one girl, Luna, was kidnapped by the Islamic State, sold four times, and raped by all of her owners. Luna and many others are in need of psychological help, health care, and other services as they recover and re-enter society. Yet officials in Iraqi Kurdistan are subjecting the girls to virginity tests to confirm their abuse. Virginity exams conducted because of cultural or religious beliefs have long been under fire by the World Health Organization, which has pointed out that the tests possess no scientific validity and can cause pain and psychological harm. Currently, the Dahuk government has stated that a committee has been tasked with stopping the use of such tests and implementing new medical examinations based on United Nations recommendations. And yet more abuses continue in other regions. In India, a teenage rape survivor who was undergoing treatment in a hospital was raped for a second time by a security guard. The security guard has since been arrested, and the girl has been transferred to another hospital for further treatment. Also in India, several villages in the state of Gujarat have banned girls and single women from owning mobile phones, stating that such devices distract them from their studies. The ban applies to girls under the age of 18 and unmarried women, with the exception of female university students who may need phones for their studies. The president of the Masana District Council stated, Let them study, get married, then they can own their own phones. Until then, they can use their father's phones at home, if necessary. This ban is appalling, since mobile phones are increasingly becoming one of the primary ways that girls can combat gender-based violence, report incidents, and stay safe. Banning phones denies women access to technology that could, in some cases, save their lives. Mobile phone ownership has also been found to improve the lives of people in rural areas, enabling them to have better personal and business lives. And in Malawi, girls from parts of the Mazimba district are being trafficked for marriages to men working in South Africa. The marriages are said to be initiated by parents who want to benefit from dowries and other materials given by men working in the diaspora. Some have reported that the girls are married off and then abused through prostitution. The Malawi Council of Churches and Malawi Human Rights Resource Center are currently working to intervene on gender-based violence issues like trafficking and educate citizens on the new Marriage, Divorce, and Relationship Act. In better news for girls, Colombia has finally taken action against a wave of horrific acid attacks on women. The country's president signed a new law that closes a legal loophole which allowed attackers to get away scot-free. Previously, Colombian law treated acid attacks as personal injuries rather than violent crimes, meaning attackers face light sentences, if any sentence at all. The new law states that anyone using any kind of chemical agent to physically harm another person will receive a minimum sentence of 12 years behind bars, or up to 50 years if the victim is permanently disfigured. To date, there have been at least 628 victims of gender-based acid attacks, though the real total is expected to be much higher. Experts believe the root of the attacks lies in misogynistic attitudes in mainstream culture, 
and high levels of violence following, near, following nearly a half-century of civil war. Another victory occurred in India, where a New Delhi court has ruled that first-born women can be the karta, or legal head of the family, a position previously reserved for men. The karta is allowed full control over property, rituals, and other family affairs. The decision is a landmark for women, enabling single mothers and other unmarried women to exercise more control over their households and lives. Women can now make decisions such as the use of family property or business assets, and can even lead funeral proceedings. Unfortunately, this decision only applies to India's legal definition of an extended family, which encompasses Hindus, Jans, Sikhs, and Buddhists, but leaves out India's Muslim population. And in the United States, Senator Jill Vogel of Virginia is leading a bill that would completely ban child marriage. Vogel started the bill after hearing stories about a man in his 50s marrying a girl in her mid-teens to warn off a police investigation of his relationship with her in the state of Virginia. A similar bill has been introduced to the state senates in Maryland and New York, with all three states now in the running to be the first to ban marriage altogether for anyone under the age of 18. Though the practice is most common in developing countries, critics argue that child marriage lives under the very noses of the developed world, exposing girls to emotional and even physical harm. Across the United States, state laws generally set 18 as the minimum age for marriage, yet every state allows some exceptions letting most over the age of 16 marry with parental consent, and some even allow children under 16 to marry with court approval. Though national statistics are lacking, independent studies have revealed that over 3,000 minors, 90% of them girls, were married in New Jersey between 1995 and 2012, while nearly 4,000 were married in New York State alone between 2000 and 2010. Another step for girls occurred in Ghana, which has launched a national campaign to end child marriage. Currently, one in every five girls in Ghana is married before the age of 18. Announced at the 7th African Conference on First Ladies on Sexual Health and Reproductive Rights, the campaign solidifies Ghana's commitment to ending child marriage and join a growing list of African countries taking part in the African Union's campaign to end the practice. The campaign is utilizing the hashtag Ghana Ends Child Marriage to raise awareness. The Ministry of Gender, so Children, and Social Protection is currently working with UNICEF to develop a three-year strategic national framework to end child marriage, due to be completed this year. Another hashtag which trended this past month was Match for Laura. 24-year-old Laura Casalotti was diagnosed with aggressive leukemia in December of 2015. She was in urgent need of a stem cell donor, but her odds of finding a donor, due to her mixed heritage, was extremely low at 1 in 25 million. Laura's family launched a social media campaign with the hashtag MatchForLaura to try to find a donor. Celebrities such as J.K. Rowling and Stephen Fry joined with thousands across the world and succeeded in helping to find a stem cell donor for Laura in early February. Her campaign now continues with the hope of matching thousands more donors to those in need, urging people to sign up in the donor database. A third hashtag campaign was launched for women's empowerment in India. Hashtag Position of Strength aims to help female internet users bridge the gender equality gap online, using online platforms to expand their reach and influence. It is the first time this campaign, previously seen in Australia, has been used on the Asian continent. Twitter's head of public policy wrote, As part of the Position of Strength movement, we and our partners will host a series of roundtables and workshops with women leaders to explore increased empowerment and safety for women, both online and in the physical world, throughout the year. 
The first roundtable featured women explaining how to use digital platforms as a means to remove barriers, biases, overcome mobility restrictions, and other limitations. Participants were shown how to use tools like Mute, Block, and Report to combat cyberbullying and trolling. In the coming months, the campaign will expand to 20 universities and colleges in Delhi as part of a contest on women's empowerment run by Observer Research Foundation. A final hashtag campaign has been My True Love. Girls around the world use the hashtag, created by Plan International, to help reframe the conversation on Valentine's Day. It gave girls the chance to define love for themselves, an opportunity not afforded to many girls around the world. Their answers were simple and universal, while others hinted at the unique inequalities they faced. One girl from Zimbabwe, for example, said her true love was her school uniform. I wash and care for my school uniform every night. The campaign was a powerful reminder that girls are encouraged to define love by their relationships with men, rather than their love for passions and their own lives. It reminds us that girls aren't waiting for boys to give their lives value, and neither should we. Finally, we'd like to extend a huge congratulations to the Afghanistan's National Women's Cycling Team, which was just nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize by members of the Italian government. The team shatters cultural restrictions placed on women, even in the face of harassment and threats. The team's nomination has been signed by 118 Italian MPs. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast. Be sure to tune in to our next podcasts on March 4th and March 11th, where we will look at the experience of girls during World War II in celebration of the launch of our Heroines Quilt for 2016. Also be sure to tune into our website on March 1st and to our blog every day throughout March to learn the incredible stories of girls and women during World War I. Also, please help to support future production of Girl Speak by visiting our website at www.girlmuseum.org and clicking donate. Thank you and have a wonderful day. If you like hearing a fresh, girl-positive perspective on the internet, please support us with a tax-deductible donation easily made on our website. Our music is courtesy of up-and-coming artist Han Av. You can find her SoundCloud link on our website.